Uh, welcome into our Harvest Valor podcast. This is Mike Jonker, Pastor Mike here. Uh, we are the men's ministry here at Harvest, where Greg Laurie is our senior pastor. And Greg has been teaching in the Gospel of John about the amazing signs, miracles really, that Jesus did that not only made a huge impact in the personal lives of the people affected in his day, but also for us, as each of us see these signs were done to move us to believe. And uh, Pastor Greg has said that these miracles were signs that pointed beyond just the immediate situation that needed attention. They were opportunities for Jesus to display his glory, to demonstrate his power, and the truth that he is the Son of God, the Messiah, the Savior of the world. You know, John 23 says, But these things I have written so that you may continue to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing in him, you will have life by the power of his name. So I'm going to start to read in the first part of chapter 9 in John and share something that's very important for us men to know and understand. So let's start reading chapter 9, verse 1. Now, as Jesus passed by, he saw a man who was blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And Jesus answered, Neither this man nor his parents sinned, but that the works of God should be revealed in him. I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. The night is coming when no man can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. And when he said these things, he spat on the ground and made clay with saliva, and he anointed the eyes of the blind man with clay. And he said to him, Go wash in the pool of Siloam, which is translated sent. So he went and washed and came back seeing. The first and most obvious thing is here that Jesus healed a blind man, and that is... Uh, with spit and dirt. It sounds like something that a pitcher or a quarterback might do before he makes a throw. But, uh, you know, it's just amazing that Jesus healed this man in this way. You know, blind people have always amazed me, how they can make life work in spite of great obstacles like blindness. Helen Keller, who broke so many barriers being blind and deaf, was amazing. I had an uncle who was blind and was a successful restaurateur and a businessman, and he used to always say when he was leaving, I'm glad you got to see me, and he was a great man and is in heaven and seeing Jesus and much more now. But this blind man was healed of blindness, and this was a big miracle for this man and for us, but it was really nothing for Jesus. He didn't have to work up some miracle. He just did it. I mean, he created the world. He created the universe, the cosmos, the seen and the unseen world. Jesus created molecules and atoms and protons and electrons and neutrons and all matter, gravity, light, electricity, energy, DNA, and all. John 1.3 says, all things were made through him, and without him, nothing was made. So for the creator to heal this blind man was a, a God thing beyond our ability. But what I want to look at here is something that I want to key in on. Jesus said, I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. The night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. I must work the works of him who sent me. 
You know, I love the fact that we serve a working God. In fact, in Genesis 2-2, it tells us that on the seventh day after God had ended his work, which we had done, he rested on the seventh day from all the work which he had done. I don't think that God was tired, but he did take a break from the work and he rested. And then he told Adam and Eve and the Israelites in the Ten Commandments to do this as well. He told them to rest on the Sabbath, not just rest, but to worship. Jesus himself came and he worked. We all know that at first he was a carpenter. His father was a carpenter, Joseph, but he worked with wood, making things. And then as the Messiah, the evangelist, the miracle worker, he said, I must work the works of him that sent me. You know, he also says this to us. You know, in Matthew 5, verses 13 through 16, he says that we are to let our light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify our Father in heaven. You know, we're not saved by our works. We're saved by God's grace. It's by grace we're saved through faith. This not of ourselves. It's a gift from God, lest any man should boast. But we're to let our light so shine that men may see our good works and glorify our Father. You know, I read a survey that stated that on the average, we will spend 30% of our lives sleeping, which seems high to me. Uh, The other 30% working, which actually seems low to me. It didn't really say what the other 40% was, maybe 20% eating, hopefully a good part worshiping and a good part of it with our family. And if you're our brother Jim, maybe 25% surfing. But we spend a lot of hours a week, maybe 40 to 60 hours or more of our lives working. In fact, so much of our identity as men is rooted in what we do for a living. It doesn't take long as we ask each other if we're, as we're in conversation, well, what do you do for work? You know, even in the Bible, God identified men by what they did for work. Abel was a keeper of the sheep. Cain, a tiller of the ground, a farmer. David was a shepherd and then a king. Nehemiah was a cupbearer to the king, a waiter or a maitre d'. Matthew and Zacchaeus in the New Testament were taxmen. Uh, Luke, a doctor. Then, of course, Peter and Andrew and James and John were fishermen, and Jesus was a carpenter. I had a friend who used to have a bumper sticker on his truck that said, my boss is a Jewish carpenter. And it was funny because he was a carpenter himself. But no doubt, many professions are represented here. Some of you listening today, we probably have police officers or firemen, lawyers, carpenters, maybe some electricians and plumbers and mechanics and salesmen, engineers, accountants, teachers. IT guys, you know, bankers and businessmen, you know, but the Bible says that in Ecclesiastes 3, that every man should eat and drink and enjoy the good of all his labor. It is a gift of God. No matter what line of work we are in, and we are God's workmanship created in Christ for good works, which God has prepared beforehand that we should walk in them, Ephesians 3.10, we should do it to the best of our ability, and we should be thankful for our jobs, for our work. You know, 1 Corinthians 10.31 says, Therefore, whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, do all for the glory of God. We should be working. Paul said to the believers in Thessalonica that you aspire to lead a quiet life, to mind your own business, and to work with your own hands as we commanded you. 
That was in 1 Thessalonians 4.11. And then in the second letter to the Thessalonians, 2 Thessalonians 3.10, he says, For even we were with you, this we commanded you, that if any would not work, neither should he eat. Look, we need to be working. And if you're in between jobs, your job is to go get a job. And sometimes that's the hardest job there is. But uh, get to work. Don't sit on your hands and wait for the call. Go out and ask, seek, and knock. God promises to be faithful uh, to his word. He has the finger on the clock. But we can and should be glorifying God in our work. We can be light to a lost world. Yes, we can be light to a lost workplace. Have you ever strung your career path out kind of chronologically, all the different jobs that you've had? I mean, I started, my first job was a paper boy. I think we all remember going to the the station and folding papers and putting the advertisements in there and loading our bags, whatever our draw was, maybe it was 60 or 80 or 90. And you go out early in the morning and you throw papers and you always wanted to porch it because guess what? At the end of the month, you would go and you would actually collect. And uh, if you got extra tips, that was great. But being a paper boy, what a great job that was. We don't do that anymore. I guess it's too dangerous. But then I was a dishwasher. I was a busboy. I was a waiter. I was a drug runner. Uh, well, you know, I wasn't. Well, let's let me, you know, hold your horses. I was, I worked for some pharmacies delivering RXs. But, um, you know, then I had a summer parts job. I had a, I was a, a, worked in a grocery store. And then my first real full-time job um, I had done a couple years in college, but I started in route sales uh, in the food and snack industry. And then I was a carpenter and got into construction for many, many years, building buildings, and then got into uh, the auto parts aftermarket business. But after that, I became part of the Harvest staff and then a pastor. But I love my work here at Harvest, and I loved my work before the Lord brought me here as a pastor. Before I was asked to come to work at Harvest, one of the things that motivated me to work hard or to do a good job was the opportunity to somehow build a bridge to share Jesus to people I had contact with each day. You know, I wanted to build great buildings or I wanted to uh, reach those sales quotas, but I also wanted to shine in the dark places. In fact, sometimes when the trials of the job came, which was often, and you know that, It was knowing I was serving Jesus that drove me. Now, I've had those blue-collar jobs, the white-collar jobs, the no-collar jobs, and it's not any pure or less godly in any profession, whether they're wearing a suit or just a pair of shorts. It's opportunity for us to shine for Jesus. And there are always external pressures to conform to the world's way of doing things, cutting corners or it's just business rationale. God has you are where you are right now for a good reason and for a good work and for his purposes. You know, we had our Valor Men's Prayer Breakfast last week. By the way, our next one is May 13th on all campuses, Riverside, Orange County, and Maui. And uh, I had been praying about what I was going to share at the prayer breakfast. I don't believe in coincidences. And I received a phone call from a guy I used to work with, and his name was Jerry. And he was a customer, a sales manager for a Napa Auto Parts store. And one of the cool things I was able to do when I was in sales and marketing was to go out 
I'm making calls with my customers, with their customers, to train or sell them on the different uh, manufacturers I represented, whether it was bearings or seals or fuel pumps or starters and alternators, you know, the features and benefits. So I was having a conversation with Jerry when we were out making calls about his customers and his work and his family and so on. And I had shared with Jerry a little bit about what Jesus had done in my life. And it seemed to fall flat. I kind of felt like he wasn't really listening, but, uh, you know, I just shared a little bit, but uh, it really didn't fall flat. It was about a year later, after I had come on staff at Harvest, I saw Jerry at a Harvest Crusade where he had given his life to Christ. And I asked him, I said, Jerry, what was it that drew you? How did you end up at the Harvest Crusade in Anaheim? And he said, Mike, you don't understand how I was impacted by our conversation. And Jerry said, I couldn't even put it into words what the light was because I was so in the dark. I came from a hard family. There were even some murderers in my family. I didn't have the vocabulary to explain it. So I asked him, Jerry, can you explain it now? And he said, yeah, I can. And he shared five things. And I'm going to share those with you. The first thing he said was, your pure speech. You were positive and you didn't cuss. You weren't condescending. And of course, that makes me think of James 3, which we've studied, telling us what we need to do to control our tongues and how our tongue is a fire. Bible says it's a world of iniquity. With it, we bless God, our Father, and with it, we curse men. And it shouldn't be that way. Colossians 3.8 says to put off all filthy language out of your mouth. That would be crude words or crude comments. Listen, men, unbelievers notice when we speak with grace and class. They also notice if we are a believer and we use harsh or foul language. And so do our kids. What slips out of your mouth in the heat of the moment? You know, the Bible says out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. I think we've all slipped up, but... What do you say on the job site when your hammer hits your thumb? Hopefully it's just, ah, you know, or the sale falls through, or someone is a jerk. Our words can be light and life to people we work with. We can be light by looking for ways to bless and curse not. The second thing that Jerry said was, you had pure eyes. You didn't check out the girls or make comments or flirt with the girls but And you didn't make me feel like I was a dog when I was doing things like that. Look, guys, there's plenty of pretty women out there. God even recognized beautiful women like Sarah and Esther and Rachel. He talked about Leah, who had her eyes were dull. Whenever someone starts getting in that area, I would out loud begin to praise my wife. It's not only a good defense, but it's a good offense to praise our wives, to celebrate our marriages. You know, marriage... In the book of Ephesians, it's a symbol of Christ and the church. It's a great way to open the door to share Jesus. And if a girl is into flirting, you know, talking about our wives is a great way to set the course for future conversations too. Oh, your hair looks great. Oh, my wife likes this cut. Oh, that's a great shirt. Oh, my wife picked it out. You know, you get my drift. Don't give any ground when it comes to talking about women or allowing flirting to happen uh, with other women. Glorify the Lord. Well, maybe you're saying, hey, Mike, I'm not I'm not married. Well, that's a horse of a different color. Just remember, don't be unequally yoked. 
And, uh, you know, listen, guys, beauty fades, but the glory of the Lord endures forever. Let the Lord open up those right doors. I had a boss when I first recommitted my life to Christ. I was working in a grocery store uh, going to college, and I think I was 20 years old. And I was a box boy, and he had called me over to this aisle to check out a girl who was walking down the aisle. And it was kind of goofy, but the Lord just brought this verse to my mind. When desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And when sin, when fully grown, bring forth death. (laughs) And he just looked at me with these big eyes and, well, that was it. He never called me over again to check out a girl. But it's so important to have pure eyes. The third thing Jerry shared with me was that my work was pure, that I had good work. He said, you were organized and helpful. And there are plenty of times that I fell short there, trust me, but that's another message. But man, it's a light when we help our company or our customers make or save money or do their business better. We should do our work in whatever line of work we are in to glorify the Lord. In fact, the Bible says, whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. That's in Ecclesiastes 9.10. We have a lot of slack workers in business out there, and we need godly mechanics and godly lawyers and contractors. I love the businesses like Chick-fil-A and In-N-Out Burger and El Pollo Loco who run such great operations and are actually you know, founded on, by Christians. But we can be light in our workmanship as well. The other thing he said is you asked me if we could pray before we eat. I think of that scripture, I will praise you, O Lord, with my whole heart. I will tell of your marvelous works. That's in Psalms 9. But praying and praising God outwardly is totally biblical. It's also strategic. Praying with and for unsaved people is good. It's an opportunity for them to see us express our faith, but it also is an opportunity to show them that we care for them. Well, they're not Christians. Yeah, but you are, and God still hears you. Just don't pray too long. The fifth thing that Jerry told me was that I invited him to the Harvest Crusade. Jerry told me that he kind of laughed when I invited him to the Harvest Crusade because he thought, what are we, picking strawberries? I guess I had brought it up at a sales presentation with some Napa salesmen too, but the point was he was invited. You know, and Pastor Greg always shares with us that we never know what can happen if we just invite someone. Invite them to the Harvest Crusade. Invite them to church. Invite them to pray. You know, Easter's coming. Invite them to Easter. It's coming soon. We actually have invitations we can grab too. But this lost guy, Jerry, he went because he was invited. The Holy Spirit was working in his heart, and I didn't even know it. So often we don't know what God is doing. But Jesus, throughout Scripture, invited people to come, to come to him, to come and see, to come and follow, to come to the water, to come, all you who are weary and are heavy laden. You know, the Bible says that some plant, some water, but God gives the increase. We can do so much if we let God work through us in our workplace. And I'm going to close with this verse. Jesus said, most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me and the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these will he do, because I go to the Father, and whatever you ask in my Father's name, I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. God wants us to shine bright. He wants to use us, and he promises the power of the Holy Spirit so that we can be witnesses for him 
in our workplace. Why don't you join with me and pray as we pray for God to use us and so that we would shine bright for him in our workplaces. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your love for us, Lord, and you have us in these places, these positions, and we're going to spend much of our life and working to provide, Lord, but it's also a place where you can use us, that we can shine for you. So we pray that you would fill us with your power, that we would be lights for you, that we would have pure eyes, that we would have good work, that we would be inviters, that we would point people to you, Jesus. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for joining us, and we'll catch up with you the next Harvest Valor podcast.